This is How Men Think with Brooks Like and Gavin DeGraw, an iHeartRadio podcast. Welcome to another episode of How Men Think. My name is Brooks Like, and I'm flying solo today. We got no Gavin, we got no Rick, no Dimitri, no Ryan, but we have a super special guest co-hosting. I'm going to grant you co-host privileges today, buddy. I feel very special. Yeah, you should. And I'm I'm super excited. This is I've done a lot of research on you. I've because I follow your path. I see myself a lot in your life. You're a little bit further down the road. But we have Mr. Dave Hollis with us today in studio. Dave, welcome, buddy. Thank you, Brooks. Yeah, my man. So I'll give our listeners, for any of our listeners that don't know who Dave is, I'll give you a little background. He is the COO of the Hollis Company, a company that exists to help people build better lives. He is the husband to Rachel, a father of four, right? Jackson Sawyer, Ford, and Noah. Yeah. Together with his wife, you uh, you and Rachel host the podcast Rise Together, which is the number one podcast, uh, number one health podcast on iTunes. You were previously previously president of distribution for Walt Disney Studio Studios till you left that company, um, and you started. You wanted to expand the Hollis Company. That's right. Which is a company you have with you and your wife. You're a member of the Motion Picture Academy. You've been advisor on board, a member of Technology Incubator Fandango Labs. Philanthropy, film charity. I mean, this guy has done all this bio. I could go on for days. Don't so read the bio I, anymore. I love it. I love it though because I love. Like I was an athlete, and now I want to have a title of list of all these things that I've worked on too. So I look at this. I'm like, man, this guy's Superman. I got Superman sitting here with me, and I get to pick his brain for the next hour. It's so funny because I am now a couple years, as you mentioned, into having transitioned away from what for me was a 20 plus year career that started as a you know an assistant and finished as this head of distribution president of distribution in the film studio i worked in these different things that you could read on a on a list yep. of resume and the weight that they carried two and a half years ago was extraordinary in terms of them being an anchor to my identity and what my worthiness and affirming me yeah. and now two years later i can tell you what as much as it's interesting for me to hear you read them and i have some great memories from a lot of the things that i did in that space they have very little weight, relatively speaking, to where they did have a ton just a second ago. I love that. So what I love about that is I'm currently in the process in my life on my journey about liberating energy that's still tied up in my hockey career. Yeah. And what it's and so that's why I'm excited about this discussion is you've been able to do that. You have had that identity, this this worked with Walt Disney. How cool is Walt Disney? And you you were the man at Walt Disney and now you let that go. And how does that change your identity? And how do you find peace with like almost re- removing those clothes moving forward? Um, so I want to dive into that. Your whole story is super inspiring. And I think our listeners are going to be able to find themselves in your story because I think more and more people these days go through tours of duty. They go through pivots in life where they switch not only careers, but identities. A oh, yeah. Um, it's interesting because I was watching a couple of things that you've posted <laughs> recently and of the things that I'm rolling out to you know do in this lead up to the book, I, I was looking forward to seeing you in part because of it, just acknowledging, man, I remember when I was as close to the transition as you are now yeah. and how much different it feels. So like time ends up being one of the greatest gifts, unfortunately, it just requires it to pass, yeah, right? But yeah. man, it's so different. Six months out versus two years out. Yeah. So how far out are you right now? 
I'm two two years ish out. I mean, the decision we made this decision as I had been in the sixth or seventh year as the head of sales. I recognized, you know what? I need to do something to chase growth in a way that pushes me away from all of the certainty, the safety, security that I am currently connected to. At the same time that my wife, who'd been building a business, was at a tipping point where she said, hey, as the visionary, I need an integrator operator. You have that as a set of special skills. And so we made a jump and we made this decision in kind of late 2017 officially left Disney at the end of May in 18. And here we are, you know, early 2020, where it's it's a decision that we made a long time ago, but practically speaking, we're like a year and a half in. Yeah. So how long did that decision and that discussion between you and your wife persist before you actually committed to it? We started talking about it three or four years before really? the decision. But at the time when we were talking about it, I was entertaining it in a, yeah, maybe. Yeah, sure. Like I, if you had asked me at the time the conversation started, if I thought I'd work at the Walt Disney company for the rest of my life, the answer was yes. Wow. I was drawing a, where do you think you'll be 10 years from now vision? And it was always about some next level, some next job. And I had been the beneficiary in the Walt Disney company of, for the first 10 years, having a different job every year for the first 10. So my professional ADD was satisfied so regularly. I was always drinking out of a fire hydrant. There was something exciting. And what I didn't realize was I was being afforded an opportunity to grow because of not having the set of skills that were required to do the job well when I first got the job that fed me, that that provided me just a ton of fulfillment. And in the last job that I had, though it was the best job on paper and optics wise, after the learning curve was conquered around three or you know three years in, I was in this place where I'd stopped growing because of the strength of my team, because of the strength of the slate. Like Disney at that time had acquired Pixar, Marvel, Lucas, and in addition to Disney, had this leverage in selling movies to theaters that transformed after I figured out how to do the job with the strength of my team and support of the best leadership on earth. I was I was scoring well on tests without having to study. Gotcha. Right? And that was where it was like, oh, I got to go. That was really as much a catalyst as the opportunity to jump was. The, like the reason why I had to go was I'm not being fed here any longer and I am making choices in the absence of growth that are compromising my relationship with my wife and my ability to father and parent my children well. So that, that brings up what I'm super interested in asking you about is... I know how su- massively successful you and Rachel are. How did it work, the transition to your relationship? Because my concern would be, did it hurt your relationship when you're working together? And in some ways, she is the powerhouse. And I have concerns about the switch of the masculine and the feminine. Oh, yeah. We've well, talked about that on the show. Yeah, and, and, times, and yeah. I argue with these men all the time <laughs> because they repeatedly say to me, it's fine if the woman makes more money and it's fine if she's the breadwinner. It's fine if she's more successful. And I'm like, no, it's not. Yeah. Well, number one, I was hyper triggered by what happened in the first year of us working together in that I left something where my title or my salary or the way that I was the primary breadwinner informed a piece of my identity that gave me worth. And in leaving something to pursue this work together, 
I was leaving behind that identity, but also our having come together, we made this decision before a book that she wrote called Girl, Wash Your Face came out, but it ended up becoming the second biggest selling book of the year and went on to sell about 4 million copies. That was a linchpin, big domino, every other thing that happens in life and in our business is now, the question is how do you pour more gas on all of it? But from a provision for family perspective, she had a year, the first year we were working together that outpaced the five previous years combined of my very successful time at the Walt Disney Company. And for me, it, it actually triggered this question, now that she doesn't need me, will she still want me? Yeah, exactly. And thank you so much for saying that because I have such a hard time with these men getting them to admit that. Well, I'm going through that right now. So my, when I was playing hockey, I out-earned my wife. And then two years ago, I stopped playing hockey, and now she vastly out-earns me because we need more listeners on this podcast. (laughs) 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 But she vastly out-earns me right now. Um, And so I I don't struggle with that so much. This is where Amy and I sometimes butt heads on this is that because I want my wife to succeed more than anything. She earns everything she gets, and if I'm a small part of supporting her, and I don't even know if I don't empower my wife. She doesn't need me for anything, but like... Being part of her journey, being married to her, I'm part of her journey. And I want for her everything she has earned. Now, on the flip side, I don't compare myself to her, but damn it, I still want to earn for myself. Of course. I, I'm still a proud man. I still want to contribute to the world. And I want to I want to earn money as well, but I want to do it in a way that's authentic to my mission. And I want to tip my cap to you for leaving a job a career with security, with certainty, with identity, with prestige, with notoriety to now almost from the outside, it looks like you are going to support your wife in this, but I don't think that's why you did it. I don't, I want to, I want to hear from you, but I don't, don't, how did you deal in that year? Yeah. Did you, yeah. Did you, I don't feel like you went to support here. You're like, Hey, I'm coming in and this is a partnership. Or was it like the- it was? It was definitely a partnership. Yeah. And I can tell you, like I, the one of the weirder things that was happening in my life was that I was in this weird bridge between thirty and forty. So my big milestone fortieth birthday has mm-hmm. come. The kind of questions that happen at a birthday they aren't lasting two or three days. They are perpetually in my head. Why are you on this planet? Yeah. Why have you been afforded these gifts and not in a posture of needing to use them? What will it mean 20 years from now if you continue to not have to use them like you are not using them today for how you feel about yourself when you're by yourself? And and also I'd add to that, who suffers if you don't use them? And, and who suffers if you don't use them, right? So I start connecting to this reality that I'm living out my literal greatest fear, which is not mm-hmm. utilizing my mm-hmm. potential, right? I have been given these gifts. I am not using them. And now I have the chance of getting to the end of my life where my legacy is hung not on having maximized everything that was given to me, but instead doing things that made sense to the rest of them, but at the expense of me feeling full. And so I have to go on a pursuit of like what would actually provide me a different kind of a feeling. And what I would, uh, you know, come back to is, oh, I got to be in a position where I am uncomfortable, where I have a chance to fail, right? Like... I was not in a, in a position because of the strength of the intellectual property, the team, the leadership to fail on the whole. Yeah. There was like, things were too good. And in the absence of being able to fail, I wasn't growing. But also, I'm not like, man, I don't like to fail. But I am now in a small business where that's just like 
the the, the price of entry is failure. To like, simplify, did did that get boring before and now it's not? Oh yeah. And the thing is, I I tried to convince myself that I could like endure boring periods because of the parties, because of the title, because of the money, because of being a member of the academy, because mm-hmm. of because of, right? And those things they did at the beginning feel good, but they weren't yeah. There wasn't depth necessarily because they're a little more shallow veneer than they are deep meaning. And so I ended up like in this transition, my, my real true pursuit was how can I have impact that makes me feel a different way when I'm falling asleep at night? And so the, the trigger of my wife's success mm-hmm. short term was a like, man, hard thing to get through, but also a massive gift because... How did you do it and what did it feel like? Like, I really want to know, like, what did you feel? Because, like, I've had people say to me, like, I, a man, I don't want to do that with you because I don't want to be your purse holder. And it's like, I get it, and I don't want you holding my purse. Yeah. It know, goes both ways. Well, I mean, j- first, just on, like, the breadwinning piece, the thing that was triggering for me was truly this, like, oh... I had convinced myself as she for 15 years was building a business that I was the backstop to her taking chances and growing the business that now that she didn't need me Mm -hmm. to take chances in our business, that need being removed gave her a reason to not want to be with me, which is bananas. But the good news is in like that trigger having been one that came up, I got to actually really look it in the eye and realize this is crazy. We don't have a contingent love. Contingent love isn't even love. And so if I'm putting a contingency on her only loving me when I can provide for her, that's not even a love that I'd want in the first place. And it also doesn't even exist in that way. How long did that last? That sort of grappling? Three months, four months. months. But it was a thing that like until I was processing it verbally, doing some journaling, talking out loud with her about what I was actually feeling, it was sitting in my subconscious in a way that was gnawing at me, but not really coming to the surface. Yeah, you had to bring words to it. Right. Once I and one of the things that helped me bring words to it, why I gave you the setup of this like bridge between 30 and 40, was I am in pursuit of impact. And as much as yep, I'm transitioning into someone who also is a vessel for impact by being a voice and writing books or doing podcasts, at the time, my wife is a vessel for impact. And so if I, in using the superpowers that I have as the how person, can help her as the what person bring the what to life, well, fantastic. I can satisfy this want I have for impact because I have been witness to the letters from people who've read the books. I've Mm -hmm. sat in the audience of the personal development conferences we've thrown. I've seen the way her coaching community responds. And if I can be complicit in helping them have those breakthroughs and transformations, I get to feel the thing I was in search of that I wasn't getting in my old world. Yeah. Wow. I have, I have two things with that. Yeah, go. Cause I have another question about just home life. You go first. Okay. First off, I, I resonate with you about the, the feeling bored with comfort you want to. And I, I resonate with it because as an athlete, I wanted to play in the games that I could possibly lose. I didn't want to play in the games that I knew I was going to win. Yeah. There wasn't, there wasn't discovery and personal challenge and like, I wasn't tested. My medal wasn't tested in those games. I didn't learn about myself. So the games that were so tight that I didn't know if I was going to win or lose, I was okay with the result because I was going to lay everything I had into it. And that was the best that I could do. And the result just was, you know? And so I resonate with that and I commend you for leaving something 
and not staying in it. I actually have a dear friend in my life who is staying in his job just because it affords him some freedom and some money. <laughs> we have and, those people on the show. They're not here today. But. <laughs> <laughs> and and he's he's exhausted and he's his soul is dying. And he's like, I want to do something. I want to do something that matters to me and matters to the world. And just working this job isn't it. And I think a lot of people are scared to actually take that leap. And I want to commend you. That is a massive thing that you did to bet on yourself to take that leap. Um, that's amazing and inspiring in, in its own regard. And then my second part is, what did your wife say? What did Rachel say when you brought it up to her about this, what was in your kind of subconscious? Mm -hmm. All of a sudden you brought words to it. Was she like, babe, you're crazy. What are you, is this really what you're going through? Yeah. Yeah. And isn't that weird how she we cut can it do off that? so fast that yeah. it made the three months of time where I'm toiling with this insecurity that was born out of some rejection in seventh grade. She cut it off so fast that I actually felt ridiculous for having let any time, like 10 minutes of time would have been yeah. 10 minutes too many yeah. to have spent with it. But she cut it off so fast that I was like, okay, I'm an idiot. Let's go. And did like, you feel better? Like and I felt better. Instantly. But, but, yeah. but by the way, because like I would have felt better the first day of the three months if I had just brought it up. Right. But instead I sat with it with some shame or some, there was something in me even feeling the thing that made me feel weak. Yeah. And so not wanting to like truly own the fact that, man, I feel this thing doesn't make me weak for feeling this thing, kept it as a thing that was in silence. And in silence, it festered and became something that it never had to well, be. That makes yeah. me really want to talk about this question at home, because, again, I argue with these guys all the time that like I have this career and I'm just like in this career all day long, all night long, all the time. So it really helps me in my relationship because I'm like the girliest girl. Like I'm like, and I'm not being dumb, but it's like, I can't make the remote work. I can't. And I can't open this jar. And like when he does that stuff, I'm like, ah, you know, with the hard eyes. And it's it. so at home, I'm wondering, do you guys sort of really go into those roles at home or maybe Rachel's different than me. I don't know, but I'm so curious. Like, I mean, like she can, she can be the strongest, like she can Rachel Hollis me in the kitchen <laughs> yeah. when I start yeah. struggling with some limiting belief or self doubt. And she, you know, the, the best example is I'll start to get anxious about something. And she is someone who has worked through her own anxiety for all of her life. And she has found a way to trace back the, the, like, where did the anxiety come from in a way that, Man, she can do it for me. All right, where did you start feeling this? What were you doing? Well, let's like truly yeah. isolate it. Once that you can unpack it, that is pretty feminine, right? though. So, I but, think, but but here, but that is like, man, her kind of superpower on a stage is that kind of thing. But she also likes to throw in holy sweats and have us cuddle, and yeah. like, yes, is interested in me being like a gentleman in the respect of uh, man. I love to get her coffee every single morning. I get her coffee, right? It's like just the thing that I do. Um, but I don't. I, we're we're we. I'd say we, yeah. Sometimes fall into like more or less traditional roles, but some of the things that are traditional for us are like totally untraditional for other people. So it just kind of depends. How do yeah. you guys navigate? How do you swap back and forth from? Uh, work hat on to relationship. Great hat question. On. Do, you, do you put like, hey, from nine to five, it's work hat, and then from five o'clock on, hey, we're we're husband and wife again. Not at all. Like, how do you? Do yeah, you not at all. The, the, there are there are things that we have committed to inside of having established relationship values and 
habits and routines that help us make those values come to life inside of our everyday life. So we have a standing date night every Thursday between now and the end of time. It's existed since our 13-year-old was four weeks old. Wow. So we have every Thursday. Now, the last two years of our marriage have been, because of our working together, been the two best years and the two hardest years of our marriage. Oh, tell me more. Right? So our our decision to do this work has meant that there have been plenty of Thursday nights where we have been more in love than we have liked each other. Mm-hmm. Right? We've chosen. Uh, I right? know exactly what you're talking about. We've yeah. chosen to go on a date, yeah. even though we've just had a decent amount of friction during the day. Right? Like, the roles that we play in the, in, in the workplace had to be, in order to make this thing work, super clearly defined. Yeah. Your lane is here. Yeah. My lane is here. Here are the places, rare that they may be, where this overlaps. But otherwise, you stay in your lane, I'll stay in mine. Now, I am the practical, pragmatic operator, integrator is a word that we use. She's the visionary creative. Yep. And so good news, like that as a superpower, that's the Avengers come together. Yes, we are that's good in that, right? Yeah. We're good. But- those two roles come together mean it, like friction is the required ingredient to produce the good fruit. Right. So we are frictioning all day. And sometimes that friction, as much as you try to keep it super objective, just about the business can spill into it becoming emotional. Yeah. And then we got to get in the car and drive yeah. to get sushi. Yeah. <laughs> I, dude, I resonate with that so much. I think I said it the other day to my wife, Danielle, you're married. Like there's times in it's one thing I've learned about marriage. Hey, you always love the person, but there's sometimes you just don't like the person. Yeah. It's just so true. And, that they and how don't long like does you. it take at the sushi to start to feel better? Oh, there are times where it doesn't. <laughs> Let's be clear. There, there, we have had, we've had dinner where it's our date night and we are maintaining the respectful intensity of the conversation that we were having prior to the date. Only to pause it while Jared, the server, wants to describe the amuse bouche. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. oh, kind of welcome, too. Jared. I mean, I get that. Like, yeah. So you don't turn it off, and then it, I get that. No, I mean, here's the thing: we because we have four kids. It's like a thousand oh kids. Oh my god! I know. Seriously, yeah. we have a thousand children in our house. They're uh, three to thirteen years old, and so we are really particular about sitting around the table as a family for dinner every, every single chance that we can. There's technology limits like crazy in our house. Mm-hmm. We are very much about intentional time with each of them, and they are each wired unbelievably different. My oldest Intentional son, time is super important. Intentional I really like time, that you If there was a that, single yeah. thing, as in like if you're not yet a parent or if you're a new parent, you want to know like what's one hack? What's one one tip? I have four kids that are wired so unbelievably differently and intentional time pouring into the thing that they have personal passion for is the way that we accomplish. I write this, this goal down every single day. I am close to my children and it is a prompt for me to spend time intentionally with each of them individually without technology. So for people listening, intentional time to me. So my, one of my best girlfriends, we talk Every day for about an hour and just digging into everything. And we talk on her way to picking her son up at water polo. But at eight o'clock when water polo gets out and he gets in the car, that is his 
she doesn't call it this, but I know it's that's his intentional time. That's his one on one time with mom in the car for 20 minutes. None of the siblings are in the car. They get to talk about whatever that kid wants to talk about. And she is, you know, we could be in the most heated discussion, but he gets in the car. Boom. We will continue tomorrow because that's his time. And I think her children thrive because she does that with each all three of them. Yeah. For me, it's I have an oldest to musical theater is his jam. He like lives for it. He's got a community for it. They, they He loves it. And I spend more time inside of a conversation around or supporting in the audience of his musical theater. Middle son, baseball is all he wants to do. So we've got a separate coach and then there's practices. Youngest son, it's Cub Scouts in the outdoors. And he wants to just be in nature and run. And if I, when I, each day, want to plug in with them, I meet them where they want to be met. I pour into these these things that they're passionate about. I thought it was going to be one size fits all. My dad was rad. He is rad. We have four kids that I grew up inside of. I was the oldest of four. And I thought my dad was just the same dad to all four of us. And maybe he was, maybe he wasn't. I don't know. I just know him as my dad. But my impression that you come into fatherhood and you just treat all your kids the same was thrown on its head when I realized, you know what? My oldest son doesn't want to play baseball or soccer or any of the sports that I had as a vision for how I was going to raise my sons. Dude, you have... I think everybody in this like studio can just feel it. This guy had just has secret sauce of life. Well, yeah, I, I mean, like I just want to bottle you up. Well, and, like, so does Rachel. But God. I think what's what I'll have the balls to say is Rachel was doing it, and I think what I interpret is now you're doing it. You're with this book, and I've seen you start to do more and more. So that's why I was so interested in that in between time oh. and how like effed up that probably was. Yeah, I mean, I, I do want to go back. Like, I appreciate, Brooks, the credit you're giving me for deciding to leave the company, but I do want to paint this picture because I think it's important, right? I, if I had left of my, like, decision before the seven years of time I was in the job had passed, if I'd left it five years in, it would have been different. Yeah. Those last two years of time where I didn't leave and I should have left, that was me descending into a lesser version of myself after having had a very successful, very productive, great dad, great husband kind of existence. I dug a ditch for myself and I found myself in that ditch and it was inside of that while Rachel was discovering the power of personal development and was like, it started truly with anxiety. She had some anxiety. She decides to go on a hunt to figure out how she could potentially change the way that she felt anxious about things. And it led her into books and it led her into personal development conferences and it led her into therapy. And as she found a solution for one thing, she found a solution for two more and five more and 10 more. And I just grabbed a shovel and kept digging myself a ditch because I was so frustrated about all of what feeling like I was tied to in this identity thing around a job that wasn't providing the fulfillment I was looking for. And so I had to, in some ways, as she's continuing to grow, build leverage of what might happen if I didn't make the change. Mm. So some people can paint a like fantastic picture of the possibility of their future and like hold hold to it and it can be something like a a big kite that could pull you along yeah no 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 i had to imagine a future version of myself that didn't take just drastic action to change the trajectory of my life and what might happen if i didn't 
So yeah. was your marriage getting crappy at that time too, or was it always like oh, I'm just real blunt with it? Let's be real blunt. No, no, no. Here's the thing. Like the turning point for me making this decision was the back end of a vacation where I, in having received the first the, the first time I read Girl Wash Your Face, I decided to drink every ounce of alcohol I could possibly find because of been tr- being triggered by how transparent and vulnerable and honest she was about everything, including me being a jerk at the beginning of our relationship and details about our sex life that wasn't awesome. Like, it's all in there, and I'm hyper-triggered by it while I'm as unsatisfied in my right. work as I was. Yeah. And we got back from that trip, and we sat on the edge of the bed, had the hardest conversation and best conversation of our relationship where she said, hey, I have growth as the number one commodity in my life, period. I am going to be better tomorrow every day for the rest of my life, and I am going to do it either with or without you. I love you. I would love for you to be with me on this, but I know I am going to do it for me. And if I continue to grow and you stay stuck, or if we're honest, truly, I was digging (laughs) a hole, in a year, will we still be going on dates? In two years, will we still be making out? In three years, will we still be married? And I knew the answer. The answer was no. Yeah. And so I had to really connect to this vision of exchanging our kids on weekends and me having a, an alcohol problem and becoming an overweight, like just all of the things. <laughs> where's right? this heading? Like, yeah. where's this heading? Yeah. Wow. And, uh, and one of the things, honestly, that like I had to construct in my head, which will sound somewhat crazy, but at 40, milestone birthday, I could see 60, the milestone birthday. And the idea of a dinner at 60, when my kids who were at the time, eight, seven, four, would then be adults, maybe they've got partners or significant others have been asked to come around a dinner table at 60 to raise a glass to me, I could see two versions of the way the story unfolds. Either they're raising a glass, celebrating the way that I spent the next 20 years of time, establishing a legacy, connecting with them, showing up for my life, or there's a version of the story where no one comes to the dinner. And the like, I mean, I could cry just thinking about that, right? Because I want so badly to show up for myself, but I also want to show up and be a model for who these kids deserve as a father. And it was the the first thing that I had to do in that was understand why I was digging. And so it was the- Yeah, why? Right? Here's the thing. I didn't know why, but I knew that my wife had gone to therapy to understand why she dug. And I thought, you know what? I have been skeptical of every tool you've ever used. I have even resented the fact that tools work for you in a way that I didn't think they might work for me. But I will go sit in a therapist's office to try and get some of the answers in this answer key in the back of the book because I am so stuck right now, I have no other choice. So again, I, like, I'm coming way back to, I appreciate the man, what, how rad that you decided to make this leap. I made the leap to save my life right. and my marriage. Yeah, I get it, but you still made it. Yeah. And the fact that you still, that you w- did these things, and I resonate with that. I've tried a dozen things that my wife tried months or years before me yeah. and said, hey, can you, this is, this has really helped me. I'm like, no, I'm good. I'm, I, I'll figure it out. Like I'll, men, I think are very internal. We internalize things. We go uh, things. We're like, hello, we'll, we'll thanks, figure Captain this Obvious. out. Yeah. That's like the dumbest thing about <laughs> dudes ever. We have to deal with you guys all the time because we are the opposite, super emotive and like, and you're all just burying that but, crap. But that's why we wanted, that's, that's why I'm here doing this show. That's why we talked about like, what's my purpose with this show? Like, Dave, you are a model of what I want to become, of what I hope men can become, of like, hey, let me bring a voice to my insecurities. Let me bring a voice to my doubts, my fears, my 
things I'm scared about, my failures, yeah. you know, what I'm going through. Like, I don't think men in general do it enough. And we wanted to do this show to help men set down their weapons. Yeah. Say, hey, I, emotions it's to are... help the women, too, dealing with you all. Because well, y'all yeah. are so confusing. My question for both of you. <laughs> You both have a lot of, um, even though you might be going down, you know you're going to dig yourselves back up. What advice do you have for men and women where the man is sort of stuck? Like, nothing's disastrous. The job doesn't totally suck, but it's not great. The marriage doesn't totally suck, but it's not great. Like, he likes the kids, but it's just a lot of that. That's what I find of so many 40-year-olds where they're just like, it's the most asked question it's in our community. Okay. Really? By far. It's, hey, I, it tends to be, I, I more the women than men. Hey, I, as a woman in this relationship with a man, I am on a journey. I am reaching for a better version of myself every day. I can't get him to get on board with my growth. I know Dave was in this spot. Like, how do I, how do I convince him to want to grow? How do I ask him to grow? How do I tell him to grow? And the simplest and best answer is, if you want to change him, change yourself mm. because you committing to pushing yourself to become a better version of yourself every single day will one, leave a trail of breadcrumbs, mm -hmm. right? Like yeah. I was the, like I had an accomplice in getting out of my own way and that was Rachel and the work that she did for herself on herself, even though. I was giving her a hard time for doing it. Even though I would grunt when she would wake up in the morning, even though I rolled my eyes when she went to the personal development conference, I, I finally, when I was at a place where I was available to it and ready for it, I reached for a rope that she'd dropped, dropped into the, that valley that I'd created. Yeah. And it was truly like a, I would toe dip. I went into therapy, super skeptical of it, thinking that it was for broken people, only to realize it's fantastic. It's awesome. I couldn't be a greater advocate. I went to a personal development conference, super, super skeptical of it being snake oil. And yet there were some weird things in it. But guess what? I had a transformative experience sitting in the audience at a personal development conference. So, you know, like I still carry a lot of skepticism. I am someone who has to see the actual results to become a true believer. And seeing my wife's actual results were what created belief in the tools that end up saving me. Well, the title of your book, Get Out of Your Own Way, to me, like... That's everyone's problem is themselves. Oh yeah, um, like further to what he said, dude. I just laugh. I, I'm like, you're you're just my dude. I just resonate so much with what you're saying. Also because um, guys, at least speaking for myself, will only try it when we want to try it. So you you, my wife can tell me, hey, this is great. This is so. This is pretty perfect for you. I'm like, great. That's wonderful. And then she's like, "Why are you gonna try it?" I'm like, "No, no." Like she's like, "Why?" I don't know. I don't want to try it. It's inception. Like, yeah, it's like she has to find a way to make you believe it's your idea. <laughs> that's so, that, I mean, but that's like, guess what? That's the human condition, and I think it actually goes both ways. I don't think that like there's this is like as yes, I think it is maybe more male than female. It is because but, literally it is. My boyfriend was like, "Get this toothbrush." He sent me the link. I order it. Like I know that's super simple, <laughs> yeah. but like he just tells me what to do, and I do it. You, we all have to just do all this voodoo with you guys to get you to try it. Hey, it's like, it just, what the fuck? It, it just comes when it comes. Listen, like, <laughs> and then here's the thing. Once we try it, like you said, you tried therapy. I've tried therapy. It's amazing. I loved it. I went to a, I went to a um, personal development, went to a Tony Robbins date with destiny uh, because my wife, she had gone, this was her third time going. She's like, do you want to come? I'm like, yeah, okay, sure. I'll come. And the first day 
I almost walked out. My head blew off. It's Tony's giving you this this rant about how to show up in the world and create energy. I'm like, I drove a bus for a pro sports team for 15 years, dude. I know how to show up. Don't tell me how to show up. Let's go. I'm here. I, I, I prepare and show up before I even get here. And now we're here and you're trying to get me to create energy. How dare you disrespect me? Like, like just stuff like this that I'm just an idiot on, right? Like, yeah. And so my wife, and then when I finally, when it finally clicks... I tell my wife, I'm like, oh, I tried this thing. I tried working with John or I tried working with Scott. And in my mind, Blue is amazing. It's the most incredible thing. And the look on her face is just like, she right, better, we have she to better, hold our she tongues. better stifle that. I've yeah. been telling you for 18 <laughs> months. Like, we can't say that either. You go, okay, great. Yeah. Um, but you know what's crazy too, though, is like there have been things that have come out of some of these experiences where you're immersed for two days or three days. And it may be two hours of 20 that were the thing that fundamentally changed the yeah. way that you think you might have to wade right. through 15 hours of yeah. stuff that you're like, dude, you can keep this. But I still, Holy cow can connect to a couple of these experiences that just a light bulb went on yeah. a thing that you just, and Rachel could have told me a thousand times. It didn't matter. It had to be something that I discovered myself through my own process because of the way that we're wired. And are you guys able to like, because there is so much sort of bettering yourself and digging and exploring and thinking and understanding. Like, do you ever just like shut it off at the date night and just talk about like, I really liked this show on Netflix, you know, or do, are you guys really like kind of always doing it? We're, I mean, we're, it, we're not consumers of almost anything media wise, which is like crazy. Really? I mean, like we at the, like the, for the first 10 years of our marriage, we almost exclusively watched, maybe not even 10 years, but like seven or eight years, we, we watched a ton of TV. We don't, we don't turn on the television, which, so, which is weird. So like now, the things that we talk about tend to be more connected to the work that we're doing or the books that we're reading. We still have those conversations, but it's, it's really rare that there's like a, oh, hey, did you watch, did you watch this? Which, really? Yeah, because yeah, well, you probably watch things together. <laughs> That's my whole know? life. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, here's the thing. So I, I like, I went on this, I went on this, uh, I went on this like three day goodbye from technology, goodbye from family, walk in the wilderness. Oh, God. Man, I really recommend that people take time Love to it. get clear. Pass. Nope. Amy. I, I, Amy. Open, open your mind to this. So I went to Tucson, Arizona, out in the middle of beautiful oh, cactus. Oh God! And it rock. just got worse. Yep. Nope. Oh my God, Tucson. Sorry, Tucson. You're oh, not. You're not great. I had oh. to change. Here, 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 here. I had a bad, bad time in Tucson. You had a bad you experience in Tucson. Disaster. Doesn't, you doesn't go mean first. that Tucson's also, not great. You know it just what? means the experience is not great. The tourism board is never going to welcome you back, Amy. If you if you continue to rag on Tucson. Uh, you go, and then I'll tell you. You triggered her, bro. The headline is, I'm, I'm in this experience of just trying to leave my mind clear enough to figure myself out a little bit. It was like my own version of therapy where I am now both the therapist and the patient. And in the work of just being by myself, I literally deleted my social media from my phone and Love had it. someone on my team change the passwords because I know myself well enough to know two days in, I'd have gone back on, right? So... I start doing a little bit of work on where in the last two or three years worth of time there was pain in my life. Where did pain exist in my life? I wanted to try and see if there was any consistent ingredient in the times when I felt pain of some kind. And the thing that was a through line every single time there was pain, it was a time when I 
professed an interest in or told people that I was a certain person. I am oh. this kind of dad. I am this kind of leader. I am this kind of husband. But knew in the silence of my own bedroom while I was falling asleep at night that I had not shown up that way. The incongruence, the dissonance that existed between who I was telling people I was or who I know myself to want to be and who I was actually showing up as, that distance is pain, it's shame, it's unfulfilled potential, it's all those things. Fraud, guilt. Fraud, right, every, yep. yeah. it's imposter, you name it, like all those things, yeah. right? And so I, in that, in that time, my brain works in maybe a little bit of a different way, but I had to think about the math. Okay, if I say I want to do these things, I want to be this person, then I have to show up for my life in this way. This is a long way to land the point that the reason why no, it's so we don't interesting. watch television is that my math equation, if I want to have the energy to go on a 22-city book tour, if I want to stand on these stages that we have for these personal development conferences this year and have this energy, if I want to write my next book, if I want to lead our team, then I have to be asleep by 9 p.m. every single night. That's it is, me. Right? It's a non-negotiable. Yeah. Because, and the thing is, I 2 could- 2 a.m., everybody. 2 a.m. 2 a.m. By oh the way, God. right? You have a different if then, yeah. right? If you want to stay up to date on all of the storyline of This Is Us, man, I honor that choice. But your then statement is just different. And there's right. nothing, like truly, there's no value judgment on it, but I don't, but there are, there are people who wonder why they can't chase their dreams or feel underfulfilled or haven't hit their fitness goal or whatever, and they're still watching six hours of streaming a night. Right, well, right. Uh, let me let you in on your answer. You have an if-then equation that is satisfying some entertainment value at the expense of you getting the kind of sleep that would let you start your day at five. Well, luckily, to have I my get routine. paid to watch all those shows. Yes, you so, do. So I want to ask you both a question. What really landed on me when you were talking? And again, maybe Danielle can jump in too because it felt very male to me. The shame you wanting to be this certain person and feeling saying you were that person, but you aren't that person. Like I could understand it for you guys. I don't think it's gender, but at all. I didn't, I don't experience that. We women to me are like, I'm a train wreck. And we tell our girlfriends and we all get together and lift each other up where I would never say like, I'm really killing the game. But then inside I'm like, I suck. Whereas men, I, I feel like you have to flex a little bit more. I don't and know. I'm curious. I don't, think it's gen I don't think it's gender related. Do you? Gender I don't, specific. I don't think it's gender related only in that my wife gets this question all the time in a way that I've never been asked it. What's this going to do to your kids? Right? My wife oh. is an ambitious person who's pursuing a career. What's this going to do to your kids is a question that she gets that I don't. Right? And she gets that question because it's asked through the lens of the stereotypes or gender norms and roles of what women ought to do. Yeah. And a hypothesis that women couldn't possibly be both. They couldn't possibly be both a good mom and a badass person entrepreneur. and a badass entrepreneur. Yeah. And so what I always say is like, oh, you're just, you're asking the question in the wrong tone of voice, yeah. right? What would this do to our children, right? I have three kids who are boys and those boys will never for one second question whether a woman can write two back-to-back -back number one New York Times bestselling books, stand on stages that draw 10,000 people, lead a boardroom, like, It'll never enter their mind that a woman can. And I have a three-year-old daughter who will never need to read a book that my wife wrote called Girl Stop Apologizing because she's never once seen my wife apologize for standing in the identity that she was put on this planet for. But can I take go on a limb and say your daughter also will have a great boyfriend or marry the right guy because she's got you 
to model that after. You well, know what I'm saying? Let's, so let's, I think let's not get ahead of ourselves. I, 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 no, <laughs> you suck. I, no, no but I do think yeah, she's no, no, got in. a man that's I'm saying in. that, and I think that that becomes what we're talking about. I, th- I think yeah, she won't but, settle. But I think though to the point, like Brooks's point of I don't know that it's gender specific. I think that there are plenty of things that women carry worry or guilt or shame about with regard to what the other moms at PTA are thinking or whether or not they're living up to the rest of the women in their small group or if they've hit certain things. There's, we do this crazy exercise at our personal development conference called Rise where it's a, it's a women's conference. And Dude, you got to open that up to dudes. We are on, we're we're working not, on it. We're we're coming. Not. Yeah, we're, Brooks is always fighting for on. the dudes, and I'm like, no, nah, this is about girls. Let's let's let this book of mine get out. Let's see what we can do. I, here the, I'll team here's up with you. I am here for it. And Brooks, you are. It's the invitation is already so what been do extended. You do? But we do this exercise called Stand Up for Your Sister, where there are a list of 20 trauma events that people have been through that we ask the audience to check. Hey, no one's going to see it. Go ahead and just check the box. And it's the first morning of a day called Own Your Past. And you go through and you check, 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 check. You fold it up and then you pass it and pass it and pass it and pass it until it's now lost in the audience. And then from stage, Rachel reads these things and they are, ooh, the hardest things in the world. But among those things are things like, I hate the way I look or I feel judged for the way I do this or, and as they're read, even though you walk into this auditorium feeling like the struggle that you carry as a woman is unique to you, yeah. when you see nearly like I hate the way I look, it's unbelievable. It's like it oh, makes me want to cry. The entire audience stands up, and it's like, well, this is this is what's broken. Let's figure out how to create a set of tools to try and fix this. But there are, I just you know, there are things. And by the way, if we do something for men and check the box. We have a business conference where we did the same thing, but we did a stand up for yourself, like owning that you made decisions that drove your business to bankruptcy or that you've right. had to fire the person that the you thought was. The boxes are different, right, but different they're all boxes. checking yeah. them. But the, the, the reality is there, struggle is universal, right? I mean, like part of my reaction to Girl Wash Your Face was this idea that she was going to reveal the struggle of our life as though it would be a surprise to people. And the headline is that I was assigning vulnerability as a weakness Mm -hmm. or a showcase of weakness and have come full circle because of the way the book was embraced and the letters that have said, hey, this was where I got breakthrough and I feel differently about how I can control my my forward, everything that's going to happen going forward. Vulnerability is a superpower. Yeah, Yeah. I agree. And her ability to tell stories that would afford people the chance to see themselves in the story is what lets them get out of their way. It's why I... You know, I wrote a book in the same kind of vein where I'm telling a bunch of stories that most people would never, ever own. There's power in owning your own story, but people seeing themselves in the story is where the power comes from. Well, I think as for you two, I like that you both are willing to be vulnerable because that's why we're doing this is to get these guys to be able to do that because it benefits women so much to help to help them understand what's really going on well we were talking about this before we started and then producer danielle said hey save that for the show we were talking about <laughs> just being authentic and real and sharing vulnerabilities and how easy that makes life oh you know there's like freedom in it yeah once you once you're comfortable with owning like you said i made this mistake i felt this way i had an insecurity about this 
I effed this up big yeah. time, take full ownership. When you actually accept ownership of things that you tried to hide previously, man, you just sit back in your chair and life is just relaxing. Doesn't mean we have it figured out. Yeah. Doesn't mean like you're just comfortable all of a sudden in your own skin. You got nothing to hide. And Dave walked in and he said, man, just ask me anything. Like ask me anything. I'm gonna so sit I here. have a question for both of you. Yeah. Like that's, to me, that's, real masculinity well yeah i agree that, that is real modern day masculinity right there so i asked some women as i was coming here to talk talk today what they wanted to know and one of the questions i thought was really interesting and i wrote it in brooks notes if you in a relation you're in a relationship and the emotional connection has dissipated can you get it back and how or if it's gone is it gone I, I mean, I think you can definitely get it back, but it, it may take doing the work to get to the why. Like, why did it go? Like, again, like I, my, my brain is a little more, like, again, practical, science-based, objective. I want to try and find the answer to why it left. So if I found myself in that situation, I'd be sitting in a therapist's office with someone who could help curate a conversation that would allow the things that we're currently not saying to come to the surface. Mm -hmm. I mean, one of the gifts of us working together, as much as it has been the best two years and hardest two years, is that it has forced us to commit to this idea of radical candor. There's a book by a person named Kim Scott. Wow, that's Scott. interesting words. Yeah, so Kim Scott wrote this book. It's called Radical Candor, so I'm borrowing it from her. But it's this idea that like, in respect for someone showing up as their best self, if you truly care about someone, you will in real time find a way to deliver feedback to them in a way they can hear it, in a way that respects them, that's away from other people, but that doesn't allow the thing that they've done fester or doesn't allow the thing that is bothering you but may not even be on their radar to come into the light so that you can just deal, deal with it quickly and move on. You know what makes me laugh about that? The old timey saying, don't go to bed angry, it's yeah. like sort of true. It's like talk about it and kind of try to work it out so that you can move forward. I disagree with go, don't go to bed angry oh, though. Really? Yeah, I, do. I don't like it. It doesn't make me feel, it makes me feel I uncomfortable. Like yeah. I feel uncomfortable. I like to kind of work it out. Here's what I'll, here, well, here's the thing. If you are practicing like this idea of radical candor on the f like regular, it's just like so ingrained in how you just pursue, you rarely are going to find yourself with something that would leave you like truly bubbling over angry. But the reason why I disagree with don't go to bed angry is if you are really angry about something and you're going to start tackling it at the end of the day, when you have less energy that maybe, you know, you push an emotional state faster, yeah. the chances that you can hear things without being defensive, the chances that you can give people responses that actually feel like they're filled with respect and the intention of coming out the other side in a good way. I'd rather sleep on it. Let that emotion I go down. That. I Wait, agree. Yeah. I agree with him. There's times where if I get into an argument, I need just a minute or not even a minute, but a couple hours just to really set in what I'm feeling. And then I'm able to have the conversation and actually be. Um, but let me ask so both that of you. Is, the, honestly, because my wife does that too. She'll sometimes leave the room. I need She's a like, second. I hate yeah. it. And dudes, that, that pisses me off. I'm like, let's just deal with it now. Same. Agree. Yeah. You know? Thank you, Brooks. But I Agree. Get it, but I get it now. I get it. I'm like, okay. Here's what I'll say. You need Good. a moment to recalibrate. I get S it. Some people, it, 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 there, there are argument styles. So it a little bit depends on how you're arguing or constructive conflict style is, right? I am captain of the debate team. 
If you want to give me a Letterman's <laughs> oh, jacket, I'll put it on right now. <laughs> I will Let's find something to debate. I, I want to go toe I, to toe with you. I will get. I will. I will. I will argue to the death to win to to be right. And Rachel in conflict shuts down. Mm. When you pair Captain of the Debate scene with shuts down, yeah. it actually provokes something that has me looking like a bully. Yeah, which is the wor- like honestly, it makes me want to throw up. I hate when I come off as a bully, and I don't even if I come into it not meaning to. If she's shutting down and I'm winning the argument when she's not even participating, it's the worst. Mm. So we've just acknowledged, oh, this is the way that we're wired. Yeah, you're going to try and have you know as constructive a conversation, but there's been plenty of times we've actually opted into sending each other emails i know people that do that right Mm. and and the request in sending the email is like read the email process the email it doesn't mean that you don't get emotional we still get emotional with the email but you wait until the emotion the initial emotion is subsided you wait until that initial let's get defensive or reactive feeling goes away and then you come back and have a more objective conversation. so i can't do it no you go well it's it's the difference uh, i've read up on this a little bit respond versus react oh that's good you know react is like boom triggered i'm coming back at you whereas let me like what you said let me take a little bit here let me process this and then let me respond and that's a totally different energy than yeah. reacting it, the one one thing that has been super helpful in the responding has been starting the sentence with my intention here is yeah just like declaring <clears throat> your intention for the outcome of this conversation my intention here is that I want to, I want to show up well. For, my intention here is to help you because I can see something I don't think you see. My intention here mm-hmm. is, and if you've declared the intention, it's easier to stay connected to the intention than it is the emotions that, without intention, leave you rudderless. I love that. I'm going to use that. Mm-hmm. The other one, there's another one that's um, my hallucination is. Oh, that's... instead of saying like I think you, it's like well, my hallucination is that you're feeling this way about or that something. Like, yeah, it just, that's it, good. It means it's. I'm not putting you on the defense of it's my hallucination, but it could what be I'm making just... up about you. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. that's what I was going to say to you guys is the reason I, I like don't go to bed angry is because, and I'm after this show, I'm much more healed. I'm not going to cry right now, but the old me would have cried because I think the person will leave. So I have like an abandonment thing no. where if we don't work it out, they'll, they'll leave. Uh, and so, so it'd be interesting to trace where that comes from. I think my mom didn't come get me at camp is really the only thing I can come up with on that. But call like, her? <laughs> I mean, yeah. I've talked to her show? about it so many times. Did I literally wrote her a letter and was like, come down. get me. I hate camp. And she didn't come. And well, maybe so the letter didn't get there. She got it. <laughs> maybe she the USPS called the camp. didn't deliver it. She called the camp and said, my daughter wants me to come get her. And they're like, she's fine. But anyway, I don't know if that's really it, but I don't know. So I think it's understanding your, your person. Yeah. Yeah. There's another, um, I love this kind of... I like that hallucination thing. That's good. And there's another one to respond after you've shared your thoughts is if you can, if it's, you try this, it it feels amazing to hear it. And so once you've heard it for yourself, you'll want to share it. It's thank you for taking care of yourself. Mm -hmm. So when, when my wife says something or, or shares a feeling, if you're able, I learned this from Jaya. Really? Yeah. About talking about like sexuality and things that you craved and desired in the bedroom in in our intimate relationship um it's a way to empower people to bring a voice to things that that uh they fear a little maybe bit maybe a taboo around or something. yeah or yeah. maybe they'll be judged for it or yeah, something sure. but i want everything for my wife as i want everything for myself right so if she tells me something then i acknowledge her with 
Thank you for taking care of yourself. That's good. Is she just kind of like, ah, oh, he hears me. Permission. He it's like it's permission, permission, permission yeah. but even, even in a world where you don't want to have it feel like permission, but it, yeah. it, you get it. Yeah. It just disarms you a little bit. And then when I get to say what I want to say and she says, thank you for taking care of yourself, it's like, oh, it just, you feel so well received when you say that. I love having guests that come <laughs> in that just bring like, dude, Let's you're just, go, you're just throwing smoke today. Come on. I love it. Um, I also, you also touched on something about incongruencies between yeah, I thought your, that was good. your life, your, what, who you thought you were and your actions. And yeah. it's, I have a, I have my, I call it my golden question. The single most important question that defines my life. I ask myself it every day. It's written in my gym. Are my daily actions congruent with my life goals? That's it. That is, it's why I'm here on this podcast. You know, the, the day that my daily actions, the day that the goals of this podcast don't align with my life goals, I'm not here. Yeah. You know, I call I call them my operating principles. I mean, you guys She's are so, got an issue. Well, because this? I love it all. I do. I love it all. I love me some Oprah, some Tony Robbins. I love you guys. But I'm also sitting here going like, I'm just trying to like get through the day. So I don't have we. enough time to always too? process that. Like, I'm just, I haven't gone to the bathroom in three hours. Like literally I have to pee so bad right now because I've been so busy and going from one thing to one. So I don't have time to be like, am I incongruence here, here's, with here, here's who I no, am? So here, I'm like, get, I'm just trying to shove some her, chocolate Let's in my go. Mouth. Get her. You, uh, no, you go first. I'll come. I'll come. Now, I want to hear you first. What's interesting is as a person who has historically been crazy skeptical of foo-foo talk like this it wasn't until i saw the fruit of crazy habits of hyper routine of actually doing the work to define what are my personal values and in defining my personal values what are the operating principles that i have to live by every single day so that those values come manifest like and is it like subconscious or are you actually saying no yourself, he's conscious am i in congruence it's like oh God. i'm being conscious in a way that like if there was a secret shopper watching my life like the way that a retail store sends a secret shopper in to watch mm -hmm. how the you know clerks are restocking the shelves if there was a secret shopper watching my life and i was hoping that if if i couldn't make the interview of my life they were sent in to represent the very very best traits about me would they actually say the things i'd want to say about myself and what do you think they say well, I hope that they'd say that I'm generous, so that I'm interested in growth, that I value my family, that I show up for impact. Like the the things that are hopefully a reflection of what I believe to be my core values. And you think that you're they're gonna let's say the secret shopper came and followed you today. Like, would you pass? I think he would. I I, 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 I every single day I hope to. I mean, are there times when I wouldn't? Of course. Yeah. But again, I'm about a C. But here's the thing, <laughs> so. right? <laughs> If you, if you say that, okay, so then what's the objective? And my objective is better tomorrow, yeah. right? I want to just, I am on a perpetual pursuit of a thing that doesn't have a finish line. I just want to be a little bit of a better father tomorrow, a little bit better boss tomorrow, better friend it's tomorrow. It's very better conscious. You know what I mean? Like it's present, okay. it's but, conscious. But so much of what we do, 40 to 50% of what we do is an unconscious habit loop. So if half, almost half of what we do isn't even in our consciousness. The only thing you can do to change half of what you do is to become more conscious. I mean, am I the only one that's like, I'm just hoping the other shoe doesn't drop and I'm just kind of like, can I keep all the balls in the air? Can and I, I hope my boyfriend likes me. I'm like, ah, you know. You're not. I'll just say you're not, Amy. You're not the only one. This is... You're definitely when, not. When, when you ask that question, I love Dave's answer. I barely like, got out the door dressed. Like, <laughs> like, like Dave's answer is real, and he's a lot more elaborate and articulate than I am. The, what I wrote down right here when you asked that is, my response to you is, 
what are your priorities? Like you just said, I can't, I haven't gone to the bathroom in three hours. So, so <laughs> let's, let's, that's let's not look a at that. Let's look at that then. What's the priority? The email in your life, in the grand scheme of your life, what are you prioritizing right now? This email, this work, this little project, this little, I need to be on this phone call. Like, Well, yeah, I had to be on a phone call and then yeah. I had to take a check down to accounting and then I needed, and I wanted to be in here and I already missed the first five minutes. I have no idea what the hell you guys talked about in the first five minutes. I just hoped I wasn't repeating it. So going so to the bathroom a, was not a priority. I so can do it in 20 more minutes. That's a slippery slope then. That's a very slippery slope because that's going to start to infect other areas of your life. And like my bladder, and, you mean? <laughs> no, I just, I just mean neglecting things that you want. Like neglect, like well, getting clarity on your priorities. That's okay. the two things okay. I want right now. Hey, chocolate and to go okay. to the bathroom. Hold on. There's, try this. <laughs> so there's a saying for people that say, I don't have time. I don't have time for this. I don't have time. Next time, instead of saying, I don't have time, try saying, it's not a priority. That's and just wear, wear that for a second. I love like, that. You don't have time for the gym? Next time today, it's not a priority. Oh, I don't have time to pick my kids up? Oh, it's not a priority to pick my kids up. It's a totally different suit that you wear. And at that, when I heard that, I was like, ooh, that changed me. So yeah, damn right. I asked well, myself. Well, it was more um, of a priority for me to get in here than go to the bathroom. And the chocolate's probably third. I think I'll go to the bathroom <laughs> after... Well, I'm, you guys, you guys are very like, I don't know. People listening are like, well, sure. I'd love to be like those two, but hell, like we my are, pants are not zipped. Here's the thing though. I, I, I need, people need to hear this. We are unbelievably ordinary people who have decided to implement habits in our life to unlock extraordinary results. We are ordinary well people. Also, there's areas of my life that are absolutely chaotic i got here early so i could take my car downstairs to get it cleaned because my car is absolutely disgusting it's got bird poop all over it it's got dog hair what's driving me nuts is that you don't know that you're rolling over that piece of paper i mean rolling over it i hear the paper i hear the paper i hear the paper (laughs) but like so just because somebody's got it in line here i mean there's a million ways in my life that are chaotic right now i would love to ask you two how like percentage wise how in line are you both like really, how much is your shit together? Congruency with with who we want to be. Yeah, I would say I'm. I would say honestly, I I'm pretty damn congruent, but I I have so much growth that I desire for still. Mm-hmm. I am just starting wow. to really, well I think, unlock uh, the new version of me. The, the like things that that I shut off for years, for twenty years, and as an athlete, things that I shut off and I didn't give time or resources or dedication to that I'm starting to bring into my life that are going to open me up and change me in ways to become a new man, a better man, a different man than I was before. I've said that my adjective of 2020 is to be boundless. I don't want to bound myself or constrict myself under an identity of an athlete, male, 36, Canadian. Those are all, you're boxed in now. Yeah. And I've done that to myself. And also people have done that to me. And so my word for 2020 is boundless. Now I'm, I don't know where I am. I know I'm damn true. I know that I'll speak the truth, whether it's good or bad. I know that my system doesn't lie to me. I trust my instinct. I've shared it on this show. My big, biggest success in my life is I've always followed my instinct. But am I where I want to be? No, I am just starting. Like I am one step into climbing the Eiffel Tower of where I want to be as a person. But I'm super damn excited about it because it's the first time in my life where I've really like 
opened up. And that's yeah. why I wanted, I was so excited to have Dave come in when I'm researching him and his story. Uh, yeah. And we actually met at the urinal. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, so Dude, apparently I, you guys had time to go to the bathroom. I, yeah, I just can't wait to hear your story and to talk about your life for me. What about you, But Dave? also then to serve our community. My word for the year is captain, which is a strange word, but I... I got a quote tattooed on my arm when I decided to make this leap. A ship is safe in harbor, but that's not what ships were built for. Love it. And I thought the decision to leave the harbor was the hard part. And so I made this choice and it was hard, but it began a string of very hard decisions that I had to make every single day to push back against the insecurity and the identity shift and the imposter syndrome and how to scale a team from five to 65 in the last year. Like we have gone through some fun stuff that have every single time pushed me into spaces that made me feel uncomfortable. And so the, the first year of us doing this work together was about me leaving the Harbor and just sitting in the waves. And it was something that at first, I didn't even receive the benefit of because I had really bad coping mechanisms. Mm. I'm 11 months into not having a drink. Good for you, buddy. Thanks. Well, I'm 11 months into not having a drink because- And you think you won't drink again? I committed to not drinking for a year. I wanted to get to the point where the book came out, but I think I'll probably, to be honest, I don't know yet. And I've decided I'm not going to make the decision until I get through the year, but I was definitely not in this congruence place a year ago because- all of the things that were coming at me with anxiety and fear and identity and everything else, I was not handling well. And so I had to find a different coping mechanism. I started running mm. instead of drinking. Good for now, you. Just to give you a sense of how chaotic life has been, I have run 1,000 miles in 11 months. Dude. I, I, have, I have run a lot of miles. Now, captain though for me is, I am closer now to congruence than I've been in a long time because thought about bring these no? waves no. to me. I yeah. am built for this. I am the boat on the water. Let's go. And just because it's rocky and just because failure is happening in our business that is more successful than it's ever been every, I don't know, three or four hours, I have now just come to realize that that is the way that this small business operates. That's just the way that it works. Oh. And I'm growing from it. But I'm way more congruent and consistent with the things I say I want today than I was a year ago and wildly more consistent, like by a magnitude of five or six times more consistent than five years ago. Do you think about congruence, Danielle? Um, not really, what to be about- honest. No, I sometimes think I feel balanced, like, like yes, all yes. my chemicals seem to be okay today. That's like- the female word, balance. Because yeah. like you said, you were juggling all these different type of, types of things. I, I definitely resonate more with that. Do you all it's equate not, it's, congruence? It's not about balance. It's not about career. It's about no, who it's, you are I know it's matching who you want to be with who you actually are. No, it's, it's how do I show up? Am I, I don't am ever... I, that never crosses my mind. I agree with Amy, you. Amy, you are very congruent. You... You love people and you genuinely show that. You love your job. You show up for that. Do you both think congruence is also equivalent or on the scale with happy? Like if you're congruent, are you happier? Damn right. Way happier. But I also like my congruence is in part because the posture I say I want to be in is one where I'm growing and that's where fulfillment lives for me. 
right? Like if I if I'm not growing, it's I heavy. Can't think- it's like I don't even know if I've heard the word congruent more than four times before today. Congrat. Well, this is like a bingo <laughs> game, and you can fill the entire <laughs> car. Like, this is fantastic. Yeah. Um, it's so. Here's the thing: if you are not, if somebody is not congruent in their life, at some point you're going to face that. You're gonna when you're by yourself in a dark room, whatever. So, there's gonna be a sec. There's gonna be a mirror. There's gonna be a reckoning where you understand what you've said is different than how you've acted, and your true friends, your the people around you, they'll know it. Okay. They will see it and they'll know it so, as much yeah, as you see. For people listening, how do we help them understand it? Well, I, I, my question is, how do you feel about yourself when you're by yourself? Yes, right. How you feel about yourself when you're by yourself is everything. So, so here's a. Is that I would congruent? Start with yeah. No, well, no, no, no. The Ish. reality is, if you're incongruent, you'll know. Okay. Because okay. you'll feel pain, shame, anger, insecurity, fear. If you are congruent, you'll feel peace. Okay. You'll feel freedom. That's well said. Okay. Right? And there's, um, I mean, one way that I always try and figure things out is I ask myself. I directly ask myself the question, and my system. My What's heart, the question? My heart, just a sec, I'll get to it, but whatever question I want to ask myself, my heart, my system will not lie to me. It will undeniably not lie. It will reveal the truth. So if I ask myself, am I proud of the man I am? Mm-hmm. And I, clo- I always close my eyes because I don't want any other visual, I don't want any other sensory stimulation. I'll have a blindfold on sometimes or I'll close my eyes. I'll have, a lot of times I do my thinking with headphones on because uh, I don't want to hear other right. things. Um, and if you, I, for me, this is how I do it. I close my eyes. I ask myself this question and my system will not lie to me. The heart does not have an ability to lie to you too, as a human. So what's your, your answer? Head can. I'm damn proud of myself. I'm also damn excited and curious and scared for what I still need to learn. My, you my, know? it's interesting. What's your answer? I, I, I like, I like the process, but I actually do it in a way that compartmentalizes individual pieces of my life because I can be proud of myself on the whole and not have pride for the way I'm showing up against a certain dimension of my life, that. right? Yeah. So am I proud? I, I write down 10 statements in a journal every day as though they've already happened as a trigger for my unconscious to search for ways to make that happen. And, and wow. one of them is I intentionally pursue my wife. I actively intentionally pursue my wife. I, I write it down every day as though it already has happened. And then I have to during the day, look for ways to be in pursuit. Like we haven't yet even had the wedding ceremony, right? Like Mm. I want to pursue my wife as though there aren't guarantees that she'll stick with this. (laughs) I want to pursue my wife, right? I I am close to my children. And so every day, right? But in doing that, I I can be proud of who I am overall, but I can realize, oh my goodness, I'm on my phone while my kids are sitting here on their device and we're in the same room, but we're not actually connecting, I am not proud right now of myself in this because mm-hmm. I could do more to be intentional in connecting with one of my kids. My answer to all the questions is ish. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. That's great. That's great awareness. You can, I'm like, you know, ish. Every question you guys say, I'm like, that's okay, but I, I'm telling you, whatever question you want to ask, it could be a specific question, could be a general question, am I proud of myself, could be a spe- specific question, am I doing my best at work? If you truly ask Ish. yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Solid B plus. <laughs> uh, we're all work in progress. Well, Solid B. I mean, one of the things that we've had to institute, like our life, your life, all life, it's so hectic and crazy that if you hope 
and you use the word hope, so now I'm going to have to come at the word hope, but like if you hope that an exceptional life is going to show up, if you hope that an exceptional relationship is going to show up, if you hope that feeling a certain way at work is going to show up, you are setting yourself up for being at the mercy of life, doing whatever life will do. And life is not- And you don't like that. Life is not engineered to create exceptional. No, 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 no. Life will come around the corner and kick you in the shins. So you have to front load the life that you say you want to have. We, we have a saying, it's, whether it's our saying or someone else's saying, that hope is not a strategy. You need to have a strategy for how you hope your exceptional life will show up. So before we go, what do you think of trust the universe? I think there's a place for that. But I also to, I also want to give credence to what Dave is saying is that, and you are this, Amy, I some, I've, I've told you many times on the show, I don't think you give yourself enough credit. Ish. <laughs> I, think you're very, I think you're very self-critical and don't think you give yourself enough credit, credit because you are, what he's talking about, a creator of circumstance. You, you literally created this podcast. You've literally created every other podcast. We are all in this room right now because you created it. You are a creator of circumstance in the world more than you know. And I, th- I sometimes think you don't give yourself enough credit. Own that, that, Amy. Thank you. Thank you. No, I appreciate it. Like, if we need to affirm Amy for a few <laughs> minutes at the end of the so show, much. I'm happy to make things up. I don't know her very well, but I'll do it. <laughs> no, it's about you today, Dave. And also everyone listening. So what I hope people listening are like taking, because there's some good meat. Like, sometimes I think people like Dave that are in your career are way too broad strokes. And this, I think that we give people some real practical things to do and how to do it, which I, think- I really appreciate. Mm-hmm. He's given it today. He's yeah. I, I already take it. Like I love what those ten things you write down. I intentionally pursue my wife. I love that. that I pursue taken... the wife thing. All men should totally do, Easton, because it's like that will help your marriage if you are acting like that every day. The other way, way around I'm... too, though. You yes. know, oh God, of other course, way around. But I think. I mean. But by the way, I'm, pursuit. I'm real something. good at that one. Oh. I'm no ish on that. Oh, Amy, let's talk about this for a second. This is why I'm here. Um, Dave, I but have I a question like for you. I Pursue have a your significant yes. other like you just met them. Yes. I have a question for you, Dave. So in your book, uh, which I want to get to in a minute, but get out of your own way, um, you talk about what ways you, people prevent their own success. So what is for our listeners what is like some of the two or three most common ways that you feel people prevent their own success whether that's in business whether that's in fulfillment in joy happiness in relationship go at it how you want i want to leave it open to you but what are some of the ways that people prevent their own success well the first is that we are the believers in a series of stories that have been told to us about how life works how life shows up or avails itself to us through our family of origin, through societal norms, through some voice of authority at some point in time that we ascribed value to. And if we're not asking all the time if that story was told by a credible source, Mm -hmm. then we are just living through the lens potentially of someone else's fear and not our truth, right? And so... I, in the simplest form, running, right? I had somebody tell me for years, 36 years of my life, that tall people can't run, Mm. right? Tall people can't run because of their hips, because of their knees, because of their back. Tall people can't run. So I just believed that story to be true Mm -hmm. and never tested the hypothesis. And one day I went on a run and my knees, hips, back didn't hurt. And I went on another run. And so 
I had to go back to the source. The source, is that a credible source? It turns out it is a credible source, actually. It's kind of like his hallucinations thing. It is like his hallucinations thing, right? But the source was still credible, but then I had to ask, do they have credibility on this subject? Yeah. And the reality was, as much as that person who I crave love from is someone who is a credible source, they had no credibility on the topic of running, be free from this story. It no longer bears any weight for you. Or so what's one. right for them isn't right for what's you. Right for, what's right for them isn't right for you. So you have to choose carefully what stories you believe. And if you believe a story, you've kept it as a capital T truth in your life. Do the work of understanding who is the storyteller. Do they have credibility? Do they have credibility on the topic, right? And it could be that they were a credible source when they told the story when you were five, Mm -hmm. but have lost credibility over time, be free. It could be that they had credibility on the topic then, but don't have application to that topic in your life, be free. Like there's so many ways to be free. It's so good. I had a therapist when I was 20 say, don't do stories. And like, I know exactly what she's saying because it's exactly what you're saying. Don't do stories. Don't make up your own stories in your head and don't buy into somebody else's made up stories. Just don't do stories. The other, another one, I mean like the amount of time that we waste worrying about what other people are thinking about the things that we're doing is singularly the, like one of the biggest blocks. It's just paralyzing. And I will like having, stayed at Disney for longer than I should have. The reason I stayed longer than I should have was the worry of what they would think of me leaving something that made so much sense to them, Mm. but would not have like totally helped me in my journey. And so I, on the other side of leaving was afforded a gift that pierced my ego and my identity. They weren't thinking about me. And it's not an indictment on them as human beings. It's just a reflection of their humanity. No one's thinking about anybody else. Like for the most well, yeah, part, people stay in all... relationships because they're worried of what somebody else is going to think of them leaving the relationship. Bananas, right? No one. I mean, there are a hand. I would say like maybe 10% of people are truly, truly thinking about you, but they are usually thinking about you through the lens of their fear mm-hmm. or their insecurity and not necessarily what is in your absolute best interest if they're judging right if they're i'm so mm-hmm. what i'm saying is if they're no, no, judging of course, you, right, right right and so it's like be free holy cow be free i i will say like in the like catharsis of writing this book man it was hard it was really hard to be as honest and vulnerable in this book as i ended up being but on the other side of having the words on the page and having now had some early reception I have never been so proud of owning fully the struggle that I have gone through and the way that I feel progress for having persevered through it. If you are someone who is struggling, I want to acknowledge your humanity. Good news, brother, sister, you and I have something in common. You struggle, I struggle, we all struggle. And if you're going through something, you are not alone. But also, the only way that you will get help Truly, the only way I was able to get help was by actually acknowledging that the struggle existed because in darkness, nothing can come there. Mm -hmm. Nothing will be there to help Mm -hmm. you. And so, like, be okay finding someone to represent whatever it is that you're going through. It will be the rope that gets thrown in your ditch. If you're, you know, find Mm -hmm. yourself in one, I'm telling you, it wasn't until I could admit the things that I was struggling with that I was able to actually reach for the rope. See the rope because you said it was hanging there for a long time. It was there forever. Dude, you're awesome. That's good stuff. Um, Also, I want to add to that what you're talking about, about people thinking other people judge them. When you look at, when you really look at that act of that individual, it's an incredibly selfish act. Oh yeah. For me to think that you're wasting your time and Danielle and Amy, all you guys are looking at me and you're thinking of something about me. 
how selfish of me to actually think that your lives are consumed about what I'm doing. And when you actually get clarity, you're like, oh, like nobody's given a damn about me. Yeah. Like, nobody cares about me. Like you turn that selfishness off. It's amazing. And also what you touched on prior to that, I was reading about stories, about maintaining and holding on to stories. I was literally, I was reading the book, The Untethered Soul today. Have yeah. You, have you read yeah. that book? Yeah. Incredible book. And I'm on, I think chapter six and it was talking about- Are you about, guys best friends now? I'm just I, I'm we're, telling you, this guy's like my older brother. Now. This is unbelievable. We'll I'm, be skiing at some point. I've never had an older brother. Now. This guy's like my older brother. I love it. Um, and you by no means look old at all. I probably look older than you. Um, but Samskara, you ever heard the term Samskara? It's about. I it's, didn't know incongruent. Okay. Yeah, I didn't know Samskar until today from Untethered Soul. It's about how we, our heart traps things that we don't process. So everything that comes into our lives is comes into our lives and is supposed to move in us, through us, and then be, as Dave said, free, be free of it. But there's certain things that trigger us. Tucson triggered you earlier. <laughs> that's stuck in, yeah, that's stuck in I'll you. I'll never go to Tucson again. But that's that's now energy. That's closing off a valve of like your energy flow in your heart. Well, I'm like, a lot better about Tucson. Okay, but it's still there. Like, why did you respond to it? Because it wasn't able to pass in and through you. That experience still has a grip on you in some way. There's weight there. You know, yeah. it's, I, I got to tell you, like, I, I was so skeptical, thought it was hooey, the idea of journaling for a long time. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm still I there. The I tried it once. Hooey. My wife got me to try it once. And I was like, what the? I hate so, journaling. Here's the thing. I hate I, it. I want to just piggyback on what you just said, though, because as a person who hated it, until I went and had this experience in Tucson where I had no technology and all I had was a blank piece of paper, you spend the first 20 minutes writing about things that are sitting in, the, like they're on your consciousness. Yeah. You actually know what you're, you're writing about. You're thinking about all the things that you think about. And then at minute 21, 31, 41, you just have to keep writing. All of a sudden... All the things that you're holding, Tucson, your Tucson, comes up and lands on a page. And it coming it out. It was of, Phoenix. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I mean. Whatever. It's, it's, Stay it, with it. It imprinted so strongly that you got the city wrong. <laughs> Even the state. The, I have a city. had a bad time in Tucson, but the one is really. This is unbelievable. Scottsdale, but continue, Dave. Yes. The bottom line is, if you can bring this experience out of your consciousness, the, the weight that you afford something when you are not able to actually ask, is this real? Does this matter? Is, the, is there a possibility that I have conjured something, this like phantom? Mm -hmm. Stories. Stories. This, it, it, it's a lie. But now that it's sitting on a piece of paper, that, I mean, that's part of what happens in therapy, but it's also part of what can happen in journaling. Now all of a sudden you're bringing something from your unconscious, subconscious into your consciousness. And when you see it, you're like, this is so ridiculous. Why would I have even wasted any time thinking about this? Bring Phoenix, not Tucson, <laughs> out of your consciousness and figure out why the heck you're still carrying it. May I apologize to the good people of Tucson? We need to send I, a letter a to the tourism board. I've had a couple bad times in Tucson. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. They have cactus there. Yeah, it was it was Phoenix Scottsdale. Okay, the mayor but of Tucson. But I'm okay now. I'm okay now. I'm okay. We'll be taking the show to Arizona yeah. very soon. They don't want you. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> After this, they have let us know that we, they're not interested. We have some healing to do. My Yeah, we have some healing to do with, with Tucson, Arizona. I think it was Scottsdale. Um, <laughs> Dave, I want to ask you a question because listening to you and for our listeners that have listened to you and looking at you now, if somebody looks you up on social or looks up Hollis Co. on social, I mean, you look uber happy, fulfilled, 
amazing wife, kids, family, life, career. I mean, everything is going on. And you've shared so much of what what got you there, negative things, how you're even digging yourself. Um, I want to ask you this question. What mistake or misstep in your life helped you the most? Helped you the most? Oh, man. What mistake helped me the most? Because I, I have a saying, everything is an opportunity. Yeah. I mean... At the very beginning of my relationship with Rachel, my decision to tell her that we should not stay together when I was moved by the company Disney from LA to Minneapolis was a great misstep that worked out. Wow. Because it was only maybe because of having created that distance that I was able to appreciate the thing that I actually had. I mean, I was still a jackass in some of that window as evidenced in chapter five of Grow Wash Your Face. But still, <laughs> it, was, it, it, was, it, was a, it was a good mistake. Uh, I, I mean, a story that I tell in the book is uh, one of me feeling this imposter syndrome and having been the beneficiary of uh, having received more promotions than most people receive in a short window of time. And so I found myself sitting in a room where I was certain that everyone was judging whether I was worthy of having been given this third promotion in three years yeah. in a way that manifested where every time the room would fall silent, I would try to fill that room with something smart yeah. so that I could justify my worthiness of having the seat. Mm -hmm. And it didn't even, a lot of times, have anything to do with what was happening in the conversation. I was just like, oh, I have a smart factoid. Let me jam it in here so that you can all see how smart I am. Mm -hmm. And it was after one of these meetings where the boss's boss asked, hey, can I see you in my office? And I'm like, oh, they're going to make a bronze of this moment. I'm getting like memorialized for having contributed beyond the call of duty in a meeting. Like, let's not go for the high five. Let's make it a high 10. <laughs> I, like, I have convinced myself like this is going to be amazing. And I walk in, door closes, and he says, shut the F up. I mean, just like destroys me like soul piercing and he said look if we didn't think that you were the right person for this job we wouldn't have put you in the job and here you are undermining your credibility by trying to convince people who are not actually worried about whether or not you are good enough to have this job that you are qualified yeah knock it off just add value when value is requested and otherwise sit back and listen and it was, you know, maybe three years into my 17 years at Disney, and it fundamentally changed the way that I sat at tables and felt the, the need to overcompensate in mm -hmm. spaces where I'd been given more opportunity than my resume deserved. What a gift, and kudos to you for being receptive to oh, that gift. such a blessing. Wow. Dude. You're a superhero. Oh, Dave, man. You are, uh, Thanks, dude. Really good. Dude, you're a superhero. Okay, where can... I want to get this book. It comes out when? March 10th? March it comes 10th. Out? Okay, where can... what The name of the book is Get Out of Your Own Way. Where can people find it? Literally anywhere. I mean, they can go to Amazon. They can go to getoutofyourownwaythebook.com. Um, they can go to Target. They can go... Literally anywhere books are sold. Awesome. Uh, and where can people find more of you? Uh, hang out social? Yeah, on social, I'm Mr. Dave Hollis on Instagram, Dave Hollis on Facebook. If you go to thehollisco.com, we throw rad events. I have coaching that, that exists. There's uh, journals you can buy. There's a whole host of things you can do. Our, our company exists to put tools in people's hands to help them have a better life. And uh, we're, gonna com you know, we're committed to trying to have as much impact as possible. So. And making a 
event for dudes. And making an event for dudes where yeah. Brooks will headline with me. <laughs> Holy cow, we're going to change some lives. Yeah. Uh, last word, anything you have for our community or something that you're extremely proud of, anything you want to share, your last words with our community. I, I'm going to go back to the tattoo because it, it, it has been my mantra, this idea that a ship is safe in harbor, but that's not what ships were built for. I want to encourage anyone who in any way isn't today feeling totally fulfilled to ask if they've left the harbor of certainty because I in now realizing why I was stuck and how my ditch digging had a Genesis, it was yeah. connected to the way the rope was still on the dock. Mm. You have been given a certain amount of gifts that this world needs. You have a certain amount of light that this dark space that we all inhabit need, and it can only truly be unleashed if you are willing to leave the thing, you know, for the thing you need the choppy waters where growth really will actually unlock fulfillment for you. I love this guy. Come on now. Dave, Dave I on. love you. I appreciate you, brother. Thank you so much. Can we have Dave back? No. <sighs> I'll Amy. come back. Yeah, He's have... heading also, to you're... Tucson. Okay, I am going to go to Tucson and try and yeah. mend fences. <laughs> with the... I mean, this show is honestly... Yeah, of course, Amy. we need to now bring Dave back with the other guys. I wanted to do it with you guys yeah. first so that like... You know, Danielle probably already booked me a ticket to Tucson to go <laughs> do Try something. Fix there. things. Um, what about your podcast? Where can people find? Because your your mission, your voice, just is everything. Everywhere you listen amazing. to podcasts, yeah. just like us. But what's, yeah. it, what's it called? So we have a very bizarre thing. My wife and I do a morning show every day on Facebook and Instagram called the Start Today Morning Show. I, yeah, I that see also it. does a replay on iTunes and everywhere podcasts exist. We have a relationship podcast called Rise Together, and then my wife has a business podcast called Rise. Dude, these guys are. Crazy. Let's go. I need to come hang out with you a day for a day or two or a week or a month. Where do you guys to, to, live? We're in Austin. To, oh. oh I, at first I thought Remember? I said, was going to say Arizona. <laughs> no. And I was like, oh my I would, God. I would never. I would never go to Arizona. You no, guys execute Arizona. so well. Oh, like you guys, you. that's something in my life that I know I'm failing miserably. Oh, no, no. Like you are, you guys, like you have a standing invite. Come over, see the place. We bought a Baptist church that we turned into a headquarters. It's got a Jay-Z quote on the wall. There's a yes. studio that looks no nothing way. like this where we record our shows. That's cool. This guy isn't there. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, I miss I miss him not working for us. But uh, otherwise, you are, you are welcome. I'll give you the uh, full playbook, brother. I love it, buddy. Thank you so much. Thank you, Dave. I appreciate you more than you know. Thank right you on. so much. Thank Wait, you. You forgot your ending. I, I was doing it oh, right now. Like oh, real worried because the other guys aren't I here. I was going to thank everybody for listening today and leave them with this. Till next week, take care of one another, love one another, and we'll see you back here for another episode of How Men Think.